<laughs> this is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. I'm sitting here now on Polly Superstar's sofa. We've been talking about everything from her memoirs to the kinky salon, sex party for Valentine's Day that's coming up, the Sweethearts Ball. Also, she's launching a platform with Christopher Ryan of Sex at Dawn. He's the author and what is he, a psychologist, an anthropologist? Yes. At all of these, yeah, all of these hats that he wears as he's writing Sex at Dawn, which is about going back into prehistory and figuring out where the roots of human sexuality are. I would definitely recommend listening to the Sexploration with Monica Sex at Dawn episode. But they're launching this platform that is both a social networking site, it's got news, it's got open dating, so non-monogamous dating, so that you don't have to check you know, you can be married and still open to seeing new people. You know, oh, the revolution. Mm -hmm. And I also imagine that it has space for people to have queering of sexualities and orientations. Yeah, it's basically a space for people to have a conversation. Chris wrote the book Sex at Dawn with his wife, Casilda. And they always stand by the idea that they are talking about prehistory and making some claims about how human beings were in their prehistory, they don't actually give advice for how to deal with that now. So if it is true and all of their research proves to be true and that, you know, when we were hunter-gatherers, we roamed around in these kind of polyamorous tribes using sex as a tool for social bonding and for solving conflict, much like the bonobos do, then what does that mean for us now? Because back in hunter-gatherer days, we were in tribes of, you know, 140 people, 120 people. I can't remember the number, but they can tell by the size of our brains, as they can with other primates, mm -hmm. how big our tribe was. So we know that we wandered around in these tribes but we don't wander around in tribes cut off from other people now. We live in these incredibly complex urban environments with, let's not forget, 5,000, 10,000 years of culturally imposed monogamy. Right. So what does that mean for us now? That's not a question that Chris talks about right. in his book. He doesn't talk about where it's going or any advice for how to deal with this information. Right. How to it deal with the fact that human beings are quite naturally promiscuous, which yeah. means to mix, you know, mixing DNA. Yeah. And so what does that mean for us now? That's kind of where Kotango is picking up, where that left off and saying, okay, we have all these questions. We don't know how this works. We are making up it up as we go along. We're not trying to go back to our paleolithic prehistory. <laughs> We're not saying that you should go be a hunter-gatherer right now. Go live in a cave <laughs> and find your tribe and go live in a commune and cut right. yourself off from the rest of society. What we're saying is this is an incredibly complex time to live in. Like mm -hmm. we're having this realization monogamy maybe is not natural to human beings. And, you know, it might work for some people, but let's face it, for the majority of people, it's not working. And so how do we move forward in this reality, whether we want to stay monogamous with our partners, but with this newfound information, maybe helping us to understand each other's urges a little bit more and have a little bit more 
empathy and sympathy when your partner has an urge to hang out with somebody else even if they never act on it because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who that would be grounds for divorce even just just flirting even just flirting or just even admitting that you want it right because if you admit that you want to have sex with somebody else then that means that there's something wrong with your you partner sinned in your heart well that's just not true it's a totally natural thing especially as we you know sail into long-term relationships where the kind of familiarity actually causes us to have these shutoffs in our consciousness that stop us from wanting to like it's actually quite natural it's a way for humans to stop incest they avoid familiarity isn't sexy Ah. (laughs) oh god yeah i'm glad it doesn't work better because i'm in a long-term relationship but also i want it to work better (laughs) the complexity oh of human sexuality yes it is complex and so that's a little bit what co-tango is about is creating a forum for people to have these conversations for people to ask these questions we're going to have experts Mm -hmm. who are going to be available to answer people's questions including obviously christopher ryan right and myself mm-hmm. and various other local luminaries like like Monica right in front of me, of course. <laughs> yes, I'd love to help you with that. Thank you for asking. <laughs> because I think it's so important because how do we get the diversity component, but also the safety component and the intimacy component Yeah, you know, that we can get from long-term relationships, but also with the freedom to explore? It's a question that a lot of people are asking and it's a conundrum mm-hmm. that we are figuring out. Right. And, uh, and it's going to be different for every person. Exactly. And that's like every relationship is as different as the people in it. Mm -hmm. So I think having that freedom and letting go of kind of cultural norms and saying I'm no longer going to just take these rules that have been set by culture and fixed and say this is how a relationship is. You meet, you fall in love, you have babies and then you are together forever. This is how it works. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's not how it works. And so how does it work for me? I don't know. I'm on this adventure figuring this stuff out. And it's a lot easier to figure out when you have other people who are telling stories of what went wrong, what went right. You can relate to them. And so creating community around this idea is really what Cotango is all about. And there's going to be links to the hottest news and the latest research and the most interesting articles that we can find and also uh, connecting you to mentors and people who might be able to help you and also connecting you to other users to maybe meet in real life. It's an interesting line because there's a lot more diversity in kind of polyamorous open relationship It's not just like either we're dating or we're not dating, Mm -hmm. you know, and dating, the word dating has a lot of pressure around it. So we're not talking about dating. We're not talking about, oh, you're on Cotango to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. We're saying you want to meet people who are in the same kind of situation as you are and you want to have conversations about it Mm -hmm. and meet them in real life as well, because we think that's really important. And there are going to be live events as well that are going to be linked to sex positive, polyamorous kind of venues all over the country um, where we're going to host actual live events for people to meet each other as well. Right. Well, that's the importance of creating community and not having your platform be only on the Internet. I mean, you wanted to change the change people's lives, Mm -hmm. you know. 
Yeah, exactly. So tell me more about some of the stuff that's going on Mission Control. I mean, I know that the Sweetheart's Ball is coming up. That's always a really epic, fun party. It is. Sweetheart's Ball, you know, it always is really fun. It's Valentine's Day and we're celebrating love and what better place to do it than a place where you can actually make love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, And it doesn't mean you don't love someone less or more or whatever. You could bring your partner. It's all fun. Yeah. Bring your partners. Dress up like Candyland characters. Is that what? Uh, it's year? it's a candy themed event. Yes, yeah, Sweethearts <laughs> is a candy themed event, and it's really fun. And it's always a packed party, so it's like lots of people there, and it's kind of our annual blowout. Uh, I yeah. guess as if jubilation wasn't also, and then the Halloween. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. New Year's yeah. Eve, Well, we've been and... kind of in the holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> right, You're right. Totally. You're right. But people bring just the next level amount of costuming to the Sweethearts Ball. They do. I mean, it's true. They're wearing. They're muffins. They are, they are kings wearing and muffins and queens, <laughs> and they have you know boxes of chocolates on their head as hats. Yeah, which people can nibble. Yeah, it's interactive and colorful and sweet and sparkly and sexy. All of those things, yeah. yeah. And we've got some really great performers lined up. We've started this relationship with the Hubba Hubba Review, which is our favorite, everyone's favorite local burlesque show. They've started providing dances for us at every kinky salon. Um, So we've been getting some great new people. and They just have the best up-and-coming talent. So we've been uh, getting a lot of that. At our stage. Talent, really big talent. Really good. Excellent. And um, we've got some new people on the stage to this event. So the cabaret should be really fun. You were telling me a little bit about your memoir, and we'll go in depth with the memoir when it's actually done. Mm -hmm. But you told me this story that I think is really compelling because we were also talking about all the explorations that we're doing in the city of San Francisco, learning more about sexuality. And you told me about your tantric awakening that you actually had at a kinky salon. I did. It's true. And, you know, the memoir, yeah, like we say, that's a whole... I've been working on that (laughs) for three years. Three years. And it's really transformed and it's become really personal and really um everyone is going to be my best friend when they read it because they're going to know all my most stuff that you tell your best friends yeah but uh yeah i did have a tantric awakening at kinky salon one time i was exposed to sex parties and fetish parties from a really early age i went to my first when i was 16 and so i kind of have this unshockable nature when it comes to being around sex and being around kink it really doesn't phase me at all but I was standing in the hallway at Mission Control which is the venue where we host Kinky Salon there was a threesome that was happening and it was like kicking off right there in the hallway oh like they weren't even in, in the, the room in in, in a room in a, in a bed they, right. they weren't it was just standing in the hallway and um <laughs> I had this very strange experience where I could just all of a sudden really feel the energy mm. of the people and of the party and something about it just triggered something in me that was quite a physical reaction. And I went and I kind of locked myself in the bathroom because I was like feeling really overwhelmed. Like there was like this tightness in my chest and I was like really overwhelmed. And then I was like, I started to just breathe with it. And as I breathed, something like literally something exploded in my head and I started just nodding my head spontaneously like I was saying yes to something but I don't know what it was and then all of a sudden I became really tuned in to the people at the party and it was almost like I had 
developed a new sense. I started to walk around the party and I could sense that there was a couple in the corner who were having an argument and who something was happening and I could I could sense the feeling of freedom and the feeling of liberation and then I could also sense the feelings of anxiety I just became super tuned into people's energy and it was just this very visceral Hmm. reaction to this threesome that was happening that was a switch that flicked that never got flicked back again and Hmm. whereas before I could experience the parties and I would have had to work really hard to tune in to people's energy and like I'd have to be really focused and something flicked and now there's an experience of the emotions flooding into me which can be difficult sometimes because it can be overwhelming so I've had to learn to cope with that as well like what that's like to be open like that in a party it's Mm -hmm. kind of a strange sensation (laughs) so you and Scott have been throwing these mission control parties their sex parties kinky salon being kind of the big one You've been doing that for how many years now? More than 10. Yeah, 10 years, more than 10 years. You are right. And funnily enough, Kinky Salon is not the big one. Oh, Club Kiss is bigger than Club Kinky Club Kiss wow. is bigger than Kinky Salon. It's just it's not your friends, so you don't know about it so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did do bartending at uh, Club Kiss for a long time, and it is fun. Yeah, so the difference being that Kinky Salon is more like single people. It's more kind of an arty, creative kind of community. It's more polyamorous, whereas Club Kiss is more like couples who are looking to play with other couples or maybe even just play in public in front of other people just with each other. So it's a much more couple-oriented party and it's not as freaky-deaky, let's say, Mm -hmm. as Kinky Slum. That's a technical term. Right, freaky-deaky being a technical term. Well, so what is it like? I mean, what have you learned after 10 years of helping people become more open? And I know you get a lot of newbies and you have a certain... Like you have the newbie tour, which I also hosted. Yeah. The newbie tour, that was really fun and a nice way to shepherd people into, you know, their experience. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, I honestly believe that exposing people, as it were, to, um, (laughs) (laughs) to what it's like to actually be in a room with other human beings having sex is a really, like, jarring experience. Like, it can really wake you up and... The thing that wakes you up about it more than anything else is how normal and natural it feels. Yeah. So if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, oh, I was really scared to come to your parties and then I came and it just felt like home. And everyone's so nice. And everyone's so nice. (laughs) And I don't have to have sex, but I could if I want to. And the interesting thing about Christopher Ryan and his research with the book Sex at Dawn is that here's someone who's actually proving scientifically that it is natural to be in a room with other people having sex. It's really natural for human beings to be in that environment. And I think that we've shut ourselves off from it. I think that when we reopen ourselves up to what that feels like to just be around sex, I think it's really liberating for people. And that's really been my goal is to help people experience that liberation firsthand. Well, it's something that he talks about in his book about the human history where, you know, with the advent of agriculture, because you had to work the land and there was a family unit, 
because they started figuring out about animal husbandry, that it just really changed the way human beings had sexual relationships. And then that brings in the economy of sexuality, mm -hmm. which you and I have done this mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. interview about and how we've kind of enforced scarcity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where you start opening up your relationship like polyamory, non-monogamy, you know, all these different ways of saying, well, it's not just one person that you get to have sex with for the rest of your life. And that there are so many ways of having sex that don't maybe even don't even involve your genitals, mm -hmm. you know, and so many experiences that you can have that don't mean that you don't love your partner, mm -hmm. you know, that there's more love and not less. Just the way that we can change the economy of scarcity in this moment from monogamy and shame and slut shaming and all of these things that we do with sexuality to a place of abundance. Yeah, I think that with the dawn of agriculture, we started to understand property in a way that we didn't have a concept of before because as hunter-gatherers, you're moving, so you have to carry your shit with you. And yeah. so <laughs> and if someone else is carrying it, it's their stuff, actually, so, now. <laughs> so, so you don't actually want anything. Right. The more stuff you have, the slower you are. You have some joint property amongst your tribe, but, like, really, why would you want to have stuff? That doesn't make any sense. And then when we stopped roaming and settled and had farms and all of a sudden the, the concept of property came into being, well, then you also have the concept of paternal, the paternal line of property being passed down. Mm -hmm. Once the guys are like, okay, so I really want my son to own this land because I worked really hard to get it and mm -hmm. it's, this is going to be for my son. Well, then you need to really make sure that your son is your son. And the only way for a guy to know that his son is really his son is by controlling his wife's sexuality. And so even though in the past we may have pair bonded which I think is quite natural. I think humans do do that quite naturally. That's my experience anyway, mm. is that pair bonding and like being with somebody and sharing a life experience with somebody is does feel natural to me. But sexual monogamy doesn't feel natural to me. Well, that's because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and I think that it's definitely connected to this idea of property and of people being able to pass down their property to their sons. Yeah, and it's just interesting to look at those definitions of natural and unnatural that we have. And then when we start to try to figure out, you know, what that means for sexuality, so many things in sexuality, people are like, oh, well, that's just not natural. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like anything from homosexuality to kink to having female ejaculation, people think, oh, well, just that's just not that's not even possible. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So many things that we really just haven't explored because of the ways that we've shut down sexuality in the last 10,000 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that sex is distracting and dangerous because it's too much fun. <laughs> and because you're not going to work as hard. <laughs> and because you've got all this hard work to do that you really have to focus on and it it is distracting. It's very distracting <laughs> actually. I find it very distracting. Um Yeah. But well, there uh, are some people that think it, you know, it's not only distracting from the work and productivity components of life, but that it actually transforms their lives into, you know, something more open. And, you know, you have to communicate more when you're in an open relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, many people use it as a tool for growth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It can definitely be. I mean, it's not the easy path for sure. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's not the easy path to go against 
thousands of years of cultural programming. Right. And there's a part of me sometimes deep, deep inside me that pines for a simple life. I know. And to be normal. I just want to be normal. But I know that that's not real. Right. You know? Um, Not for me, anyway. I'm not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Actually putting your bar kind of low, in my opinion. But, you know. But, yeah, the challenges that you face when you're in a polyamorous relationship or in in any kind of open relationship or even talking about the fact that you're attracted to people when you're in a monogamous relationship all of these things are like incredibly difficult for the ego to handle and difficult for you to get your head around you know we look at how absolute this cultural meme of monogamy has been in in the world I mean it's been really pervasive and you wonder just what happened that made the people, the powers that be, whoever they were, the leaders of the tribe, the people that influenced culture, like what was happening back then that was making it so important for people to force people to be monogamous? It makes me wonder, like once we started to get these more complex psychologies whether things got really complicated in these tribes and people started having arguments and flipping out and didn't have the means to be able to communicate this stuff, you know, like maybe tribes were meeting other tribes, like stuff that had never happened before and it got really complicated and people were trying to protect people from their own complicated egos, you know, and now we've reached a point where we're like, we can actually cope with this shift, you know? Well, and we're learning more and have more tools, Yeah, you know, with the way that we're understanding how our brain chemistry works and understanding also, you know, how being emotionally triggered works and yeah. how to have a healthy argument, yeah. you know, rather than trying to control someone's behavior. I mean, we are all learning these things because of all the science and sociology and neurology and, mm-hmm. and all of these ways that we're becoming just a hugely more educated. I mean, all the information that is available to us right now with the internet and mm-hmm. all the things that you can learn about, it's amazing. It really is amazing, this incredible time that we live in. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, and especially in San Francisco with all the diverse communities, you know, the kink community and the BDSM community and the queer community and the sex positive community and the sex geek community and all the different good vibrations was started Mm -hmm. here. And there's a sex party for every kind of person here. There's a sex party for every kind of person at Mission Control. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's true, too. We've got every sexual subculture (laughs) represented. So what do you have? The all-women party, Velvet. You have Threshold, which is the kink party. Yes. You have the tantric party, which is Essence. You have Kinky Salon, which is the Burning Man, kind of freaky, queer, sexual, San Friend sexual party, sexy, arty party. Yeah. And then you have Club Kiss, which is the pair-bonded heterosexual Uh, party, which is very classy, and you wear like cocktail gowns very fun and did I miss any there's touch and pink oh touch yes so tell us about touch touch is started by this group of guys comfort and joy comfort and joy which is a burning man camp they're really awesome guys and it's mainly gay male crowd but women are welcome as well they have a cabaret and costumes and it's kind of the same model as kinky salon in a lot of ways except it's mainly gay men what was the other one pink oh pink Pink is like our community house party. Really, the goal of Pink is that all of these communities come together in one space. So it's really super diverse. And it's also an ally party, which we have a membership at Mission Control where you can pay 
10 bucks a month and go free to ally parties which is a really great deal if you come to mission control a lot and it helps support us and have regular income rather than depending on the fluctuations of event income which can be a little bit crazy as the year goes by yeah. one of the free parties there are actually quite a few free parties that you can come to but the main one the ally party is pink so it's a lot of regulars it's a lot of people that come all the time and it's a really sweet vibe actually it's a really fun party and a lot of the, the people that took over running mission control from me are the ones that run that party yeah because there's been a lot of changes over the last couple of years at mission control where it went from just you and scott to the mission control board and yeah. and being more like a collective and it's always been you know volunteer supported but it really went to the next level in the last couple of years yeah previously we had people volunteer at events and stuff so people would do like a two-hour shift but that was kind of the maximum we did all of the work behind the scenes or the majority of it and then we quit quite dramatically actually uh, and everyone was like no <laughs> you can't close that is the best sex party I've ever been to and I want you to start a kicking salon in London and, and Paris and Copenhagen and Texas and exactly Some, something a bit like that so we threatened we didn't threaten to close we were closing and uh, you the, guys could just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. The energy was way too intense. It was it was just it's too hard on much. your relationship. We wanted to focus on other things and, and other art projects and ways of expressing. Exactly. We both had projects that we wanted to work on that we found we weren't able to because mission control was really taking up all our time. And so we quit. We really didn't know what we were going to do and how it was going to work, but we quit and the community came back and started organizing all these meetings and they figured out kind of a structure for the governing body of mission control because the way that it's run is the volunteers the crew as we call them they volunteer a certain amount of hours and then they get discounts to the parties and they get a vote and the vote at the end of the year allows them to decide who's in charge of mission control and we have a what we call the bridge which is basically like the board of mission control and the they, people on the bridge is like the starship captain bridge. Well, exactly. I mean, we're just nerds. That's why we use this terminology. The crew, the bridge. <laughs> right. And of course, the person in charge is the captain. Right. And the well, you really are in outer space, though. Non-monogamy is outer space. It really is. It's wacky, crazy. <laughs> Out in the galaxies. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, it's been an amazing shift for me going from spending most of my time, full-time job, running mission control and living there to um, having a nice cozy apartment around the corner and having other people run it for me. And now I actually rent the space from Mission Control to throw my parties Oh, <laughs> and uh, just for the night. And so that means that I get all the advantages that the other people do who rent a space, which is they provide a house manager, they provide security, the space is ready to go. They do all the laundry, all the toilet paper is stocked. So all of that stuff that takes so much time and energy I just literally arrive at 10 o'clock when the party opens and the place is ready. And I just, I just get to enjoy the party now. That's so wonderful. It's, it's, You're it's like, a miracle. It makes me cry. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fun. So do you want to tell us about any other projects or parties that you've got coming up? Well, the next Kinky Salon after this month, we've just announced the theme is the Triple X Men. Oh, so is it like... Superheroes. Plus porn stars. Superheroes and porn stars. Triple X 
Wolverine. Exactly. Triple X Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, it was actually the uh, someone's idea. I can't remember who it was. Someone in the community came up to me and said, we have to do Triple X-Men. And so there's been this kind of like campaign from the community of people wanting to do Triple X-Men. And so I have booked it in because I do as I'm told. <laughs> well, I mean, if people have an outfit, they most, really want to wear it. Most of the time... I make up the themes most of the time. We actually wouldn't open it up to the community because when we have in the past, they've come up with some really strange, strange themes. Which ones weird were weird and didn't work? No, well, I mean, we didn't do any of them. Oh. But I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, just checking. Because <laughs> I want to know, because I want to make sure that I don't have a mm-hmm party that everyone dresses up as a ghost or something. And I know that actually one thing that I think doesn't really work well at sex parties is masks. Because you want people to not to be hiding behind a mask and also to be not pretending Mm -hmm. to be anonymous. Yeah, I hate masquerades. I always have. I don't like the idea of talking to somebody and not knowing who they are. I always find it quite off-putting when people are behind masks. But I can imagine some places where it would work. I can imagine some ideas where being masked would be okay but not at a kinky salon well i'm really looking forward to hearing about how your book turns out and i think one of the easiest ways for people to connect with you is via cotango because Mm -hmm. you know we have sex exploration with monica listeners all over the world and you can join cotango wherever you are yeah you can and actually we do have members from all over the world even at its kind of beginning it's really really global we've got people all over the place It's still in beta right now, so you're signing up to a site that is not 100% as it's going to be. It's not 100% finished, but we we already have 2,000 users in there. If there's not anyone in your local neighborhood, there will be soon. Keep the faith. And Um, you're going to go on tour. And I am going to go on tour and I'm going to be launching in all the big cities around America. And you're getting in at the beginning of something that I think is going to be really special. So I would sign up to Cotango now so that you can get the username that you want. You know what I mean? I do. Those usernames disappear so (laughs) fast. (laughs) And you guys have been going through this whole process of opening up kinky salons all around the world. Where are, I listed off some of them, but where are all the different kinky salons right now? (laughs) Well, right now... We've got a kinky salon in London, in Copenhagen, in Amsterdam, and we're just about to open one in Berlin. We've got one in Austin, Texas. There is just about to be one opening in Portland. Um, That's right. You were just in Portland. I was just in Portland, getting people excited about the kinky salon up there and um, spending some time with my editor who is up there and doing the final hack and slash <laughs> I know of, it feels that way I'm sure it's going to be great like, oh I really that was a really meaningful part I wrote the book because of that oh. actually it's the opposite I'm like take it out yes oh, really? take it out oh god yeah it's completely the opposite the writing that's meaningful to me is the stuff that is communicating I mean that's why it's communicating is because it's meaningful to me it's all of the other fluff that I wrote thinking I was being interesting that he's like, this isn't interesting because it's not meaningful. And I'm like, ah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. oh the wisdom. <laughs> Exciting. So when is the book coming out? Oh, God, I don't know. You know, I stopped <laughs> no answering pressure. that question a long time ago because, first of all, I was like, oh, it's going to be done in like six months. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is going to another level. And yeah, so I don't know when the book is coming out. Soon. 
All right. <laughs> and Cotango is www. K-O-T-A-N-G-O dot com. Someone the other day wrote coat hanger <laughs> when I said co-tango. So it is co-tango like you are dancing the tango. Right. <laughs> Got it. It's about tangoing, this new tango in the world of where open relationships are the new natural. Well, the interesting thing about the tango is that there are no set steps, that you make it up as you go along. And the way that it works is because the people who are dancing are really tuned into each other. You can't just tune out when you're dancing the tango and like just follow the steps that you know. And so that's why it's a really good metaphor for open relationships and doing the co-tango obviously means that there are more, more people than two or there could be more people than two in that tango that you're doing together where you just have to be super aware and make up the steps as you go along. Right. It's and a, try not to step on each other's right. toes. Well, partner dancing is actually all around about that. Mm -hmm. I was taking a lot of partner dancing lessons, West Coast Swing and East Coast Swing and Lindy Hop. And it is about being conscious, present in the moment, reading the communication from your partner, from their body signals, the small touches, and then staying connected and in communication. So it's actually an excellent metaphor. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you can see in some forms of swing dancing, you know, how there's a leader and a follower, how gender roles of our culture have been linked into dancing styles. Yeah, absolutely. And who's the leader and who's the follower and what does that mean and how does the dancing work? Mm -hmm. And leaders oftentimes are in their heads because they need to be thinking about the next move and followers are in their bodies because they need to be super aware of the nonverbal cues that the leader is giving them. You can get your arm yanked off accidentally and... You, know, it's, you might lose or, an arm yeah, or, dancing the Lindy or, arm. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. It's really interesting, the, the connections between sexuality and partner dancing. I'm not going to go into it now, but in any case, it's mm -hmm. always so fun talking to you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Polly Superstar, so you probably have a website of your own where people can find your work. Not just Cotango and you know missioncontrol.org and kinkysalon.com, but... PollySuperstar.com. See? <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. You can subscribe. Subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.